0: Welcome to Serene Reflections, a podcast of Dharma Talks from the Walawa Buddhist Temple. I am Reverend Clarissa Beatty, a Zen monk and Buddhist priest from the mountains of Northeast Oregon, where we practice contemplative meditation, the Chan of Bodhidharma, the Zen of Dogen, the Serene Reflection Meditation of Reverend Master Giu Kennett. You are are invited to let yourself grow naturally still, to let go of the world for a while. Join us in listening in sound, in listening in stillness, turning within to listen from the heart
1: that seeks the way.
0: How are you doing? During this past month of our yearly renewal retreat, I have been reflecting on the nature of the great love that fills the universe. How we humans search for forms of love, which are comprehensible to us. How we also have such a capacity to open to forms of love that are unfamiliar, to stretch toward what previously seemed beyond comprehension. Reverend Master Jiyu turned around an old saying, Expressing it in a new way, in a very Buddhist way, a way based on her own experience, she said, All are called, but few choose to answer. In answer to the old, many are called, but few are chosen. All are called you choose to answer. She lived this, this choosing to answer. By example and by teaching, she helped countless others to live this.
1: All are called. All are called.
0: During this winter renewal, I found myself asking repeatedly whether I am indeed choosing fully to answer, and I have been realizing rather profoundly the priceless value of having the help of good friends in living my answer. So... How are you doing? This great eternal love, the nature of which I've been reflecting on, what are some of the many forms of love? One of the simplest and most familiar is the love of a friend. The word friend in English evolved from the Proto-Indo-European priont, loving. Friend means loving. There's a song we learned in second grade that went, Make new friends but keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. It's good advice. My grandmother said to me once when she was in her 90s and dwelling in an assisted living facility, she said, You know, if you live long enough,
1: all your friends are dead.
0: Who then, I wondered at the time, is left to cherish you for you? Cherish you, not for what you provide, what you know, what you do, what you stand for, but for you. Appreciate you for who you are, whether you know it or not. Love You, simply for being. I've thought of my grandmother's comment from time to time over the years. In one sense, her comment can seem sad. But she wasn't sad when she said it. Actually, she was very matter-of-fact, honestly facing the end of her life. By friends, Graham meant the people who had traveled most of the way through her life with her, who had shared momentous events and adventures together, the ones who knew her when, and had seen how far she had come, the ones who loved her for herself and in spite of herself. She meant the classic definition of friend, going way back to the old English friond one attached to another by feelings of personal regard and preference. Like my own pack of friends, back in high school and college, with all the carousing escapades and triumphs that we got into together as we found our way, it seems like only yesterday, and then it hits me that now we're scattered across the globe, some of us grandparents ourselves by now, burying or caring for our own aged parents, asking ourselves what matters most in life, all of us realizing more and more that such friendship is golden over the course of a lifetime, however long or short a time that friendship may last. In Buddhist practice, while we do work on letting go of preferences and attachments, we don't discard our humanity. We come to recognize our preferences and attachments as they arise. We try to refrain from grabbing onto them or pushing them away. As best we can, we let them arise and pass. We may be surprised to find that when we are with others who are also doing their spiritual work, there is something deeper than preferences and attachments, something which draws us together with those who are our friends in this way, a way that transcends pressures or expectations or offenses or assumptions. So, in a Buddhist context, what is a friend? This is actually quite important because in doing the work within the heart, we don't practice in a vacuum. Human beings don't live in a vacuum. We live in relation to others together with the world around us. Even when I am by myself on some level, I remain aware of not being together now with others, whether that awareness makes me comfortable or uncomfortable. Even when events unfold far away, I'm deeply affected by them. Just by hearing their stories, I feel connected to people I've never met, sensing their elation or their sorrow as if it were my own. The Buddha himself recognized the vital importance of friendship. In his earliest recorded teachings, the Buddha emphasizes that supportive friendship is not only acceptable It's essential to our practice, for both monastic and lay Buddhists. In one instance, the Buddha was asked by a householder what advice he could offer those whose spiritual calling involved training in the midst of family life, with all its economic concerns and its pleasures. One of the Four Conditions for Spiritual Welfare that the Buddha recommended for finding happiness in lay life was what the Theravadan monk Narada Thera translated as good friendship in the following passage from the Dihayanu Sutta. What is good friendship? The Buddha replies, in whatsoever village or market town a householder dwells, He associates, converses, engages in discussions with householders or householder's sons, whether young and highly cultured or old and highly cultured, full of faith, full of virtue, full of charity, full of wisdom. He acts in accordance with the faith of the faithful, with the virtue of the virtuous, with the charity of the charitable, with the wisdom of the wise. This is called good friendship. In the Upada Sutta, another early record of the Buddha's direct teaching, his disciple Ananda comes for refuge to the Buddha to check an understanding, saying he has come to realize that good friends are half of the religious life. The Buddha responds by pointing out that Ananda has not quite understood, saying, no, Ananda, no. Good friends are the whole of the religious life. A monk with good friends will be able to succeed in following the Eightfold Path. And in the following translation of this scripture by another Theravadan monk, Bhante Sujato, the Buddha adds, And here's another way to understand how good friends are the whole of the spiritual life. For, by relying on me as a good friend, sentient beings who are liable to rebirth, old age and death, to sorrow, lamentation, pain sadness and distress, are freed from all these things.
1: What do you suppose our friend
0: Ananda had glimpsed? Where is the Buddha pointing us all in encouraging Ananda to look even deeper? Kalyanamitra is the term used for good friend in the early scriptures. It's Sanskrit for admirable friend or virtuous friend, meaning someone who keeps the precepts. It means someone who is true to their Buddha heart, who is willing to share their Buddha heart with others. Someone who's trying to meditate and keep the precepts in all that they do. Someone who hears the call. And who chooses to answer the call with their very life, in their very life with others, including the one right before them now. This friend may be you, and it may be the one you are with, and it
1: may be both.
0: Oh, what a difference it can make when someone believes in you and sees what you're capable of. What a simple kindness. It needn't even be put into words. We know it when we feel it. For someone to look back at us with compassionate eyes, to hear us with kind ears, Just to begin with the assumption that this other person wishes me well and to wish them well. How may I offer such basic benevolence to others? How may I offer such
1: honesty to myself? How may we all offer this simple decency to each other? What is
0: spiritual friendship to you? How do you seek it, invite it? Where might it be found? In the time of the Buddha, a spiritual friend, or Kalyanamitra, meant a teacher, a guide, a benevolent companion on the path, someone whose behavior was admirable, and thus helpful to emulate or aspire to. In Buddhist practice, I can learn from anyone and anything I encounter, whether it thinks it's benevolent toward me or not. My success in training doesn't depend on outer conditions being favorable to me. It depends on how I respond to any conditions. In this way, whatever arises over the course of this lifetime of mine is my training, whether I have the opportunity to formalize my practice in some way or not. Still, the help of a good friend can be of great benefit in the heart's unfolding. A spiritual friend is not just someone I like and who likes me. A spiritual friend, a Kalyana mitra. Is someone who offers wise counsel and the living example of the love of truth comfortable or not? Someone who sees my heart and does not turn away. Someone who is willing to open to the penetrating questions that can help us to find the way to true freedom and lasting peace of heart beyond the opposites. Meeting such a person along life's journey, I am fortunate indeed. Apparently, a study came out recently saying that mindfulness practice can lead people to a kind of detachment which allows them to justify selfish, harmful actions and thus to behave less ethically. When I heard this, my first thought was that the people in the study must have been practicing mindfulness more as a mental exercise without remembering the heart of compassion. Because in the Buddha's teaching, meditation and behavior aren't separate. In the Eightfold Path, Mindfulness and what's good to do are woven together inextricably. The practice of meditation, Zen meditation, cannot be separated from the ethical guidelines of the Buddha's Eightfold Path, the Buddhist precepts. To cease from evil, to do only good, to do good for others, and to dwell from the heart of great love, the still center of my being. These are not separate from each other. The understanding of this is the Buddha's kindness to those who came to him seeking liberation from suffering. This wise teaching is the Buddha's offering to us, to all beings, as a friend. Cultivating a habit of spiritual practice. It is essential to respond to what lies at the root and source of this practice. This turning toward benevolence within and trusting it when I recognize it in others. Kindness, goodness, decency, these aren't ideals, though they can be made into abstractions by the mind. Supportive friendship, love, is the natural, balanced state of every being. By cultivating this state, through my thoughts, speech, and actions, I am a good friend to others near and far, and a good friend to myself. The root and source of Buddhist practice is friendship. Reverend Master Mado experiences the great love that appears in the offering of spiritual friendship as a way of being that opens the floodgates for joy and transforms us. To discover how to make the offering of my answer to the call, I turn for guidance to those who have gone before me on the path, to my own living wise teacher, and to the Dharma itself. I turn within for guidance, relying on the true friend, the Buddha nature within my own heart. Living in this way, I am never without good friends, even to the end of my days. Even when friendships end or friends pass away, even when the world comes apart, I may continue always to practice answering the call out of love
1: in friendship.
0: Thank you for joining us in listening to Serene Reflections from the Heart that Seeks the Way. To learn more about this practice, including more about how to meditate, you are invited to visit our website at Temple.org. Here, in the Kanzayan shrine of our meditation hall, we offer the merit of our practice of serene reflection meditation to all beings including you, wherever you may be.